Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And you're shaking the table. Again, my God, I'm always shaking the table. Hold on, let me let me uncross my legs and not be so ladylike. Pinky's up while I take a drink. Hey, we're the Film Flamers. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here to shoot the flames. That's right. It's March, start of March, and it's time to shoot the flames again. That's right. March is usually our uh, zombie month. And are, yet again, it is. Are we doing zombies again this month? Yes, we are. March of the Zombies. What are we doing? <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. <laughs> See how prepared I am for our podcast listeners? Very prepared. I think we're doing 28 days later and 28 days, 28 months, whatever, weeks later. Weeks later? Yeah, something like that. Oh, it's going to be somber. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a wet Grinch salad, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. We should be doing Return of the Living Dead. We should go funny. Maybe next year. That might be April. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Either way, we're jumping the gun. Can we talk about film festivals for a minute? Oh my God, should we? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so at the end of the month, we're going to make our now annual pilgrimage, which is hopefully now a tradition, to New Orleans, where we are going to go to the Overlook Film Festival. That's right. We really enjoyed last year's festival and all the movies that we saw there. I mean, the movies for sure were excellent. So, Yeah, and a lot of them ended up in both of our top tens. That's right. So maybe this will happen again, but Mm -hmm. I think we are both very much looking forward to it. In fact, they announced the lineup this week so i think we're doubly excited now that's right and i think they're punching up a little bit this year because they've got really exciting uh big releases for their opener and closer and i think at least one of them is like a world premiere yeah i uh, um evil dead rise i think maybe or Or renfield Renfield, one of them yeah but yeah it's opening with renfield and closing with evil dead rise and nicholas cage is going to be there and john goodman's going to be there talking about uh uh Along with uh, the director of that Joe Dante, Joe Dante for their film back in what, like 1990 or yeah, something? Matinee. Matinee. I liked Matinee when I was a kid. I am so looking forward to this screening of Matinee because I love Joe Dante so much. I have such a hard on for his appearance there. It's ridiculous just to be in the same room with Joe Dante for a Q and A. Like I need to start thinking of a question, and I hope it doesn't have to be about Matinee because Gremlins and The Howling are like two of my favorite horror movies. Right, and so I yeah, I remember telling you that over over text because I think you were working and I was reading the email and I was like telling you like live you know what what all was going on and then you were like I'm hard right now <laughs> I really was no I was I was at a fucking funeral is what was happening <laughs> so I've I really needed that information and I'm I shit you not like I got half chub I was like Joe Dante you are fucking kidding me I'm so excited like you're right I think this festival is really ramping things up I think this may be like I don't even know, maybe it's fourth or fifth year. So they're slowly like becoming a big named film festival, right? Obviously. And we're getting some like upcoming tentpole movies here. And the lineup itself looks really good. Like some of the movies have been on my radar. Like people are talking about it on social media. We've seen news items about this. You know, we may have talked about some of them on shooting the flames. We have good directors. It's like, and and there's a a lot of different kinds of movies. There's a couple documentaries, which they didn't have very much of last time we were there. And so I just, I feel like, I feel like the caliber of film, maybe even higher than last year. So I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know. Maybe it's getting more poppy and less quality. I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see. And it's gonna, probably going to be different every year, you know, and we're going to have different issues every year and things yeah. like that. It's a big event. And so I don't know. Um, I think I think a lot of the success is due that they were able to get people from like Shutter there and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of other places. And so a lot of these movies actually got signed, you know, for distribution while they were at Overlook last year. That's right. So that was fun. 
And I think we need to like remember <clears throat> the biggest surprise last year, I think for both of us at the Overlook was a very poppy kind of popular movie, right? And that was the Black Phone. That's right. So we can't we can't really discount these these pop movies or these like really big non-independent movies because sometimes they turn out to be just as good or better yep. than than some of the smaller titles that we normally would look forward to. Exactly. So we'll just have to see. And of course, of course, after the festival ends, look forward to our recap um, hot takes episode. Yeah. And that's going to be coming out probably in April. Yep. I would imagine so. Yep. Well, Chris, we got three new reviews. Yeah, I don't know if that's any kind of record, but it seems like it. I, it's the most we've had in a very long time. Yeah, I think say that. we hadn't had a review since like, I don't know, January. And then before that, it was like November or something yeah. like that. At least on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so. I think we ha- might have had one like back in February. Yeah, I think but so. But then before that, it was like November. So yeah, uh, first off, we've got Meowbeth. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, the names are great. On Apple Podcasts that said, yes, it really is that good. You don't have to be a horror fan to appreciate how funny and insightful Film Famers podcasts are. We're a crying, laughing territory here. The hosts have educated, fair opinions backed up by cultural and technical knowledge and is an absolute riot. You don't even need to have watched all these movies to enjoy it. You just need to have a pulse, probably. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that is excellent praise. Thank you, Maudith. Love the handle, by the way. For real. Hey, Senator, love the handle. <laughs> uh, we also got one from Film Prof Bear, um, and he says, My little sister pays it backward. Or is it forward still? Hola. I was introduced to your podcast by my sister, Nikki. Yes, that Nikki who was on your show. Hey, Nikki. And as the one who introduced her to horror, you're welcome. I wanted to write in and say how much I enjoy the podcast. Recently have been listening to your episode on Batman Returns and loved it. I'm a superhero and horror lover, which I bring both genres into my classes as much as possible. That's awesome. And we'd love to hear more from you and Nikki, really. Yeah. I mean, I would love to know some of the films that you teach. Send us your syllabus or syllabi if you have more than one class. And I feel like this is a family that keeps paying horror forward. You know what I mean? Like with each generation. <laughs> they so. do, because later on we have a comment from some of Nikki's offspring. Really? Yeah. We got we got Nikki family all over this year. I don't know. I was just like remembering the anecdotes of like talking about yeah. know, movies. And- so um, coming up in a minute, we will hear hear from the offspring that she has been showing all the horror to. Wow. Yeah. So Nikki, thank you for sending all your family this way. We like to keep it a family affair. And uh, film, film Prof Bear, tell us your name and uh, tell us what you teach. I think that's coming up too because there's another comment. Sweet. Okay. So next up, we've got DevDog86 from Apple Podcasts that says, I'm pretty picky about podcasts. They've covered some of my all-time favorite films that can be hard to find as much analysis on. Good balance of fun and depth. Well, thank you, DevDog86. And uh, he also has a podcast uh, based on the TV show The Comeback with uh, Lisa Kudrow, right? So, mm-hmm. so from one podcaster to another, we thank you for that review. Yeah. Uh, we got some comments, and uh, let's start with a blast from the past. And this is on our episode on Exorcist 2, The Heretic, from Bennett over on Patreon. And he says, I enjoyed another listen to this episode. Still one of my favorites. Although I chuckled when I heard the trivia about director John Borman telling the head of Warner Brothers that he didn't want to torture a little girl in this sequel because he was a father with multiple daughters. That's understandable. But he seemed okay with the climax featuring a middle-aged man fucking a demon-possessed teenager. <laughs> 
I was dreading that would lead up to that. And sure enough, it did. Sign of the times? Or am I missing something? I have no idea. I guess they wrote it that way. And finally, maybe they took a bunch of the torture porn away. Yeah. And then added rape at the end. I don't know. That's it's weird. It is. And um, wait, so do, have you watched this yet? He said he was going to, but he still hadn't watched the Exorcist I think he, Yes, he did. Right? Okay. Because he was talking about our music and he was like, I hated it from the trailer. Oh, and yeah, I never yeah, want to yeah. watch it. So he listened to it. And again, and I think we finally, because he's come back like two or three times to this podcast uh-huh. episode specifically. And so we've talked about it several times and people keep returning to that episode, I guess, because it's really fucking funny. But that episode is fucking hilarious. I haven't ever listened to it again Wait, after editing it. I have listened to it a couple times myself. Okay. Because it just makes me laugh. If I'm feeling sad, I either go to like, if I'm feeling sad and just want to like hear us talk or whatever maybe i'm just missing you a little bit i don't know uh i go to the exorcist 2 first and then i go to like uh out, uh, outtakes, outtakes. really yeah. you go to exorcist first before outtakes because as a whole episode i think that's our funniest episode from start to finish just because we never expected to have any real like in-depth conversation about it it's just a whole bunch of yeah 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 it's like all the way through and it's just fun to me so it's just like <laughs> memories like the corners of my mind okay <laughs> well next up uh from starship troopers bennett also from patreon said i forgot the word jingoism until i heard this episode and i've honestly only heard it used to describe this film in particular although the jingoism here as you both noted is satirical and tongue-in-cheek basically jingoism jingoism is the satire i watched uh i also rewatched pearl harbor a war drama question mark <laughs> made a few years later inspired by real events and that was really jingoism the real thing but like Starship Troopers, it also had a stupid love triangle. I wonder why that seems to be a thing with these movies. Jingoism, yeah. Most people just say nationalism or, you know, um, patriotism, nationalism. But yeah, I, I think it might be because it's in the fucking Wikipedia for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for this. Right. And so it's like nationalism and jingoism and stuff. And I and I, I like the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a little bit more specific to where it's like an extreme version of, of nationalism, you know, and I, I've, I have heard it used in the world. And usually it's like, I feel like referenced into like um, certain times in history with like Asian countries. Well, you know, which, or, you what know. Pearl Harbor would be, right? Yeah. yeah. Although I think they're talking about like, I think what he's saying here as far as Pearl Harbor is that it's a piece of, you know, Americana jingoism. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, that, that particular movie. Propaganda. 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 Yes, 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 yes. And I was just thinking about like one big movie this year was RRR, right? And it's a big celebration of Indian culture and like Indian independence. And that would be kind of jingoist except it's a, it's a very optimistic version and so it's like you wouldn't use that it's like a, there's kind of a neg- negative commenta- connotation uh to jingoism versus nationalism versus even more optimistic being just patriotism right so it's very patriotic but it's also you know that um that p word that we were just talking about. propaganda propaganda well i feel like jingoist movies like starship troopers um, which is satire, right? And then you have movies like Pearl Harbor that were made in a very specific time period, this post 9-11 time period. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's exactly why they made Pearl Harbor and why it made money and things like that. I think that movie's a piece of shit. But that's the, It's not the first. You know, like one of the earliest things I could think of, was maybe not even the earliest, obviously, but uh, I want to say like uh, Dr. Strangelove. You know, there's a little bit of there, that in there too. You but know? that's very much satire too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is. I love that movie. I like it because it makes fun of it. And it, you don't have to go far to make fun of it because they're kind of a character of themselves when they're that far gone, mm-hmm. you know, with patriotism, nationalism, jingoism. I think um, and I like that you call it like <clears throat> the epitome of patriotism. Like, first of all, jingoism is fun to say. And it does sound like an extreme version of all that. Right. 
but um i don't know i i i prefer I feel like there's a fine line between like going way too far with your patriotism, but that's a whole other conversation that we shouldn't have. This is not a political podcast. It but. sounds like someone from the Northwest, like a word they would use at a Starbucks or something. <laughs> Jingoism. I need a grand lunga so I can work on my jingoism paper. I don't know. <laughs> Jingo? <laughs> that's a game that you play with daubers. I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Starship Troopers, Jingo Unchained. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Ben, I'm sorry that you watched Pearl Harbor again. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Our condolences. From our episode on Nightmare on Elm Street, Bear, Nikki's brother, yay, says, Fun fact, Never Sleep Again was directed by one of my former students, Andrew Cash, who has gone on to edit and direct DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Never knew about the Dreamweaver song intro influence. For me, Freddy provided a thing that recent films don't really provide, and that's a reason to root for the characters. For example, things like Terrifier. His victims are random, and nothing was set up to want him to win other than you simply like gore. Agreed. Yep. In Nightmare, while Freddy is a serial child killer, taking justice into one's own hands still has consequences, no matter how justified it may feel to the audience, the sins of the father. Anyway, knowing that some of the inspiration came from Craven students, I am more inspired to push my love of horror onto my students to go create films. Also, I can remember dreaming when I was young, and Freddy was my friend in my dreams. I used to torment my sister Nikki with it sometimes. Ah, good times good times oh, i look forward to more anecdotes about that i love y'all's family if y'all have like family reunions can you just invite us please i mean like we'll, we'll bring... do a, yeah we'll do a live episode for you that's right we'll bring chips and dips in a live episode <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> i think it's really cool that you would want to show more horror in your classes in fact i mean having maybe just have an entire course on horror we would come and take it right yeah probably and Never Sleep Again is like my favorite horror documentary just because I love that franchise so much. So um, why don't you send your former student like some of her contact information so I can like fangirl to him for just a minute. Oh, you could have them listen to an episode and read an essay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, you know, I really want someone to like reference us and use the... uh... the reference citation correctly for our podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put us in their site. <laughs> that site's at the end of a document, not on a gun. <clears throat> from our Up in Flames 2022 in review episode, Incognacat from Patreon said, finally watched The Black Phone. It felt like the kind of movie that kids were allowed to watch in the 80s. Looking at you, Temple of Nightmares, ahem, doom. Yeah. <laughs> right? The menu was an easy favorite. Tight screenplay, excellent performances, and a tone sharper than a chef's knife. Looking forward to watching more from your lists. Oh, good. Trust our opinions. Yeah. And all of our lists are on uh, Letterboxd. That's right. Even the the ones where we have separate rankings, they they are separated, tediously done on Letterboxd for your viewing pleasure. Thank you for doing that, Chris, because I I would lose interest. Uh, The menu... uh, is still my favorite horror movie of last year. So I'm glad that people are finally watching it now that it's on HBO Max. And like when I see people mention it online, it's always high praise. And that makes me very happy. And you're right. The Black Phone does seem like that kind of movie. 
And I still love it very much. Mm. From our episode on The Thing, Casey sent us an email and they said, geek moment here. I know the beauty of The Thing is its ambiguity, but have you ever watched The Thing, 1982, through the filter of MacReady being a thing from pretty early on? Just for fun, I watched the film through that lens, expecting it to, expecting to be proven wrong, that the hero couldn't possibly be a thing. But actually, it all fits together terrifyingly well, as if MacReady were some kind of calculating chess master, moving the men around the base in order to pick them off one by one. Oh, like he's playing chess at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You might say, well, the blood test exonerates MacReady. But then, who is in charge of that test in the first place? Ask yourself upon the next watch, through the lens of MacReady as a thing, if the blood test scene is to reveal who are things, or instead, who are humans. Oh, there's a good argument that MacReady sets Windows up upon learning Windows is human. He gives him a faulty flamethrower and orders Windows to run close up to the thing with it. Also, we never see MacReady's blood being drawn, and that is the only time in the film MacReady A, backs away from conflict, and B, can't use a flamethrower perfectly. Oh my god, I love your attention to detail. In one of the last scenes, when Gary and Nalls gets killed, there is no proof, aside from Blair's form, that it wasn't MacReady doing it. Plus, it is MacReady who tells those two men to split up. Anyway, I won't say any more, but I think you might enjoy watching the film trying to disprove MacReady as a thing. John Carpenter does such a good job giving MacReady hero traits, and Carpenter uses some timing and visual tricks to mislead the viewer. But then again, deception is the name of the game in this film. I suspect all the way up to making the viewers think that the hero is the villain and the villain the hero for 40 years, maybe. I love this type of comment. Oh my God. I'm like, you think I was hard for Joe Dante, Casey? Jesus, that email. I would somewhat disagree, though. Uh, I think it's fun to watch the movie through that lens because at the end you do see him. Like, there's several other moments too, but yeah. at the end you see him actually purposefully fighting and like detonating. You know, to destroy the the thing monster, which, mm -hmm. you know, why would it fight against itself? Obviously, I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, it's still possible. Right. And they purposely writ wrote it like that. They did not have some sort of playbook of who was the thing and when. Mm -hmm. Right. They purposely didn't do that so that they, they wouldn't know. And then purposely edit it to emphasize that, that it could be anyone at any time. And for it to be even plausibly, which it is, McCready, you know, uh, I think that's just more, you know, weight towards that success that they really did a good job with the whodunit right because it's not a clear-cut ending no it's not <clears throat> and I, I think that's why this movie lends itself to viewing things like this right i i fucking love this i never really thought about any of this but these are really good examples to back up your argument and i feel like <clears throat> when you watch movies over and over and over again kind of like we have with the thing you have to start thinking about other things when you watch it, right? You have to be like, okay, I've seen this movie so many times. Let's try to like watch it from a different perspective, kind of like what you do when you read literature. Yeah. And I fucking love this. Yeah. Casey, you're amazing. Kimberly over on Patreon said, hello, gentlemen. I was going to leave you a voicemail, but I can't find the phone number anywhere. It's been a minute and I'm way behind. I've been busy with my new job and I have a new man. Oh, He's also been keeping me busy. Double face. <laughs> How far into the thing do I need to fast forward to get past the dog brutality? Also, just occurred to me, they're in Antarctica. What happens if it takes over a penguin? <gasps> oh, it will be sad. the derpiest looking parasitic alien life form and not at all scary. 
P.S. The boyfriend found out that I've never seen Chut, so he made me watch it. The production value was equivalent to a homemade porno. Ta-ta for now. (laughs) Hey, Kimberly. It has been a minute. (laughs) I love that you're happier now. Um, That's amazing. I I love that for you. And also... Our phone number is at the end of every episode. We say it, and it's in the in the show notes of all of our episodes. It used to be on our website before I had to redesign it because of the stupid template changing on us. Uh, I need to add our contact information back. It might actually be on there. I need to, <laughs> to go look. I don't even know. But yeah, we say it in, at the end of every episode, and then we also, uh, when we do our sexy voices, and then, of course, it's in the, in the, like I said, in the show notes of every episode. That's right. So if you are stopping the episodes after we talk about the movie, you are missing some gold. And I somehow feel like you don't do that. You of all people, Kimberly. Come on. Also, it's 972-666-7733. Uh, glad you got a new man. Glad he's keeping you busy. Um, tell me where you found him. Now, what is that? derpy tattoo you have on your leg <laughs> or where is it my derpy tattoo yeah i thought you had a tattoo of a penguin i do have a tattoo of a penguin it's not derpy though it's amazing see i was thought you were going to say something about derpy penguins well i was about to actually i was just like i don't even want to think about what well actually i do <gasps> some mutant penguin i love penguins we need a penguin villain some sort of hentai penguin <laughs> <laughs> yes a tentacled <laughs> penguin <laughs> With girls running around in like panties. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe I have a certain idea of what hentai is. <laughs> You've never seen Chud, Kimberly? The fuck? I've never seen Chud. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're watching Chud. Okay. But she's right. The production value is really not good. But it has a very young Daniel Stern in it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Who's that? He was the he was the non Joe Pesci burglar from Home Alone. Oh, yeah! Wow. Mm-hmm. Claim to fame. Hey, Kimberly, editing Chris here uh, to answer your question about the dog dying. Uh, once you see the dog enter the kennel with all the other dogs, uh, I guess you could skip about let's say six to ten minutes. But either way, you don't see a dog die. You see a dog get sprayed with some stuff and it's kind of eluded. But yeah, you don't really see much. Uh, so I think you're you're probably safe to watch it so you can enjoy all the glory that is The Thing 1982. We got a comment from at Elephant over on Instagram and he says, hey, it's Nikki's son. I just finished your thing episode and it was great. I was wondering if you would ever do an episode on Christine with the evil car. I just watched it and that was quite the ride. I've actually never seen Christine. The fuck? You've never <laughs> seen Christine? I've seen like basically every other adaption of Stephen King. Except for Christine? Basically. It's John and Cujo. I've never seen Cujo. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my god, you're blowing my mind right now. I love Cujo. I love Christine. Yeah. So yeah, I need to I need to do that. But we we do. I mean, we've had a string of Stephen King stuff before, and we've had top ten, mm-hmm. uh, like short stories, books, or whatever, and movies. I think we've had mm-hmm. for Stephen King. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll eventually get there. I mean, I love that we're not running out. Of, no, like I mean, classics. We can't. And they things keep like making that. more. Yeah. So, but well, uh, I feel like. I feel like we, you know, we always do these theme months that happen every single year. We need to pick a month at Stephen King, yeah, and just do a Stephen King month every year, because there are so many adaptions. Some are shitty, some are great, but they're all fun to talk about. Yeah, we might be running out of like 
like blockbuster type of stuff. And so maybe we can replace one of the summer months with Stephen King. That's true. Right. I mean, we have been threatening to do the mist a lot. Yes. We've and and you've to. got to see fucking Cujo and Christine. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, elephant. We and we can move all the pet cemeteries over to the Patreon. <laughs> We're done with pet cemetery. <laughs> well, no, the original one's really good. <clears throat> um, uh, is, it? is it? It's it's good. Is it? <laughs> There's good parts in both, in my opinion. Again, we love this family, y'all. So please keep commenting and let us know what you're watching and and all that stuff. We need we need to just get together and like combine families at this point. Yeah. From our episode on Heather's. We got at Trump card 45 from Instagram said when y'all were wrapping up and referencing other movies, it made me think of the parallels with the menu. If you follow my logic, there are a lot of similarities. What are there? I don't get it. Uh, you may have to explain your logic at Trump card. I, I don't for that. Was this really for Heather's? Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Well, I mean, unless you're talking about the, like the destruction of an entire thing, but nothing was really destroyed. Like it was in the menu. I would Spoiler think they're alert. talking like more story or philosophically or satirically. I don't. Perhaps. Maybe. I don't. Tone. Maybe. maybe. It's just, I think it's just a little above my head. Yeah, me too. Explain, please. Send us another comment or DM us or something like yeah. that. Because Speaking I would, of Derby, you're going to have to help us out. I would, I would really like to know. Help my synapses connect, okay? Because <laughs> I just don't understand. Because I feel like there's gold to mine in that, that comment. Probably. Yeah. I mean, because the menu, I think the menu is saying a lot of things, and I think that Heather's is saying a lot of things. But I would love to know some of these parallels because I, I, don't, I don't see them. But I would love to have your arguments as to why there are. Yeah, what's your damage? What's your fuck me gently with your comment? (laughs) (laughs) How very (laughs) at Orion Yanadi over on Instagram said, Great episode as usual. This is one of those rare gems that could never be made today. I never knew there was a remake, and I'm going to choose to believe there isn't one. Love you guys. I'm going to DM you a pic of my Veronica Halloween costume from last year. There's a remake? I I know there was a show, there was a TV show. I don't think it's quite a remake, it's kind of a reimagining, if you will, I guess. Okay. Um, I need to show you the pictures of his costume though, because they are fucking gold. From Heather's? Yeah. So he DM'd us on Instagram and I forgot to show you before we started recording. Damn it. Yeah, they're so fucking good. So good. Okay. Love it. Hey, uh, Orion, let us know if we can like post those to our Instagram, please. Um, or I'll reach out to you and ask. McKenna over on Patreon said, My favorite quote from this movie comes from Veronica's dad. I don't patronize bunny rabbits. I forgot about that. Or was it, I don't patronize bunny rabbits? I don't know. <laughs> I don't patronize bunny rabbits. <laughs> you said it right the first time. <laughs> Why did I say that? You're an idiot. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious, McKenna. We forgot about that quote for yeah. sure. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, it's weird how absolutely iconic so many lines and moments from this movie were, but the movie as a whole was just okay. These moments are good enough to warn a watch, but I'm not chomping at the bit to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm a little bit more warm to, to it, but based on our ratings, we kind of, neither of us rated a five star. You know no, no, I mean? no, no. It has problems. It's not a perfect movie. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but I, I also feel like we've had more experience with it and there's a little bit of boner going on. Yeah, so. it needed like a little bit more kill your darlings type of editing moments in this yeah. movie, you know, and, and then it would have been just like solid gold. 
But he's right, though. I mean, like, iconic lines and moments, for sure. I mean, like, there, there's a reason why this movie is is pop culture. For real. James over on Patreon said, I didn't even know of this movie until now. I don't know how it slipped past me. What, James? What? Living in a cave. Climb under, climb out from underneath that rock and go watch others. Go watch it right now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, does this mean, like, just kind of was around but kind of slept through it? Because it was kind of a sleeper hit, yeah, you know, and just never had friends that talked about it. Um, I never saw it in like pop culture. Also, I, I mean, I guess that's possible or just too young. That could be true. I mean, because I think at some point, I think that most most people who have a boner for this movie are our age or a yeah. little older. And well, Matt had heard of it, but he had never seen it. Right. right? So. Or maybe yeah. he hadn't. Maybe it was like, what's Heather's? What's your damage? Heather's? I don't know. <laughs> Random dude over on Patreon deleted the comment, but we saw it. We saw it, random dude. And he said, so many films come out each decade that really define an era. And I would probably put this one in the late 80s, early 90s category right before grunge became mainstream. It really did stand out amongst all the others as something deeper with elements of suicide, murder, depression, and identity. He went on to say, so many girls at my school were obsessed with this movie when it came out. Yeah, and I don't know why you deleted this comment because you're still he's still a patron, right? Yeah, and or she well, could be I she, guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, the good comments, <laughs> and it does. I mean, it really does stand out amongst all those movies because while it's satire and while it's funny, right? It really does have things to say about all of those things. I think especially with depression and identity, which I think we talked at length about in that episode. Yeah. So like this, this, this movie really does. It's a seminal moment in, in cinema to me for like for, for that generation. And well, for that genre, at the very least, yeah. you know, like the high school comedy quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it I, paved the way for like clueless and the craft and mean girls and everything else and everything else. Yeah. Speaking of the craft. Yeah. Speaking of the craft glazed donut. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking a drink. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I love your name. Over on Patreon, said I discovered the craft and its soundtrack in the fall of 1996. I was black, moody, 13 year old living in Indiana, a horror movie all on its own. I proceeded to buy the soundtrack, which I still own. Every Wiccan book that was available at the bargain table at Borders, rip, Aww. as well as Ouija board and the hope to start my own coven. My mother, also black, proceeded to throw out every one of those books on that Ouija board as soon as she found them. <laughs> I absolutely adored Rochelle. She was black, well, biracial teenager, well, almost 30 years old, that spoke with the same inflection that I did, and that was something I did not see often in horror movies. Looking back at that time, I was glad that the film had the racism aspect, but as an adult, I feel like the storyline was rushed and incomplete. I can't help but find the racism comical due to it being so overt. While overt racism does happen, Laura was one step away from burning a cross and spitting out chewing tobacco in a busy girl's locker room. Locker room, But I can't help but think that it would have been useful to include Rachel True in the writing of her part since she probably understood the experience more than the writers. In the end, we never really got closure on Rochelle's storyline in the second half of the movie. Rochelle and Bonnie basically become caricatures and are only there to assist Nancy. I have fond memories of the film and watch it from time to time, but the technical side of film deserved the criticism it received. P.S. I saw the sequel, and let me just say, I wish someone would bind it to a closet to keep it from doing harm to others. <laughs> oh my God. Glaze Donut, that is such an insightful comment. I love it. Me too. And I feel like, yet again, like I've always felt this way 
that representation matters. It does. 100,000%. And not just even, to see yourself or a version of yourself exist somewhere in pop culture is so important and validating. You know, even if it's not told in the best way, you know, it was really like a straw man racism like that we saw in the craft, but it was there and people made still people think it had a moral position on it. That's right. Which was important. It was weak, but it still was there and it worked and it had a statement, you know, but, and, and this person feels represented and felt represented and that was important for them, you know, it had a real impact on them, obviously. And so I'm happy about that. And it's good. And I'm glad when that comes from horror too. And because I mean, like they said specifically, I don't see this often in horror films. And it was more than just like being black or biracial, right? It was just, they spoke with the same inflection and stuff like that. I mean, like this was truly representation for Glazed Donut, right? And like we oftentimes talk about, um, like gay representation on the podcast. And we go back and forth about like, we, we want to have gay characters that are just gay for no reason. Incidentally. Yeah. Right. But I will even take a caricature of a, a I said that wrong, a caricature of a gay person. You know what I mean? Like we used to get like way back in the day. I mean, oh, like yeah. just seeing someone being gay on They're screen. They're either sexless, you know, with their life on the side and out of view, or they were dying of fucking AIDS. Right. But I still like to see someone who was like me. You know, even though that wasn't like me, but I, I love when horror does this. I mean, like this movie obviously impressed upon this person to go and look for like wicked things and stuff like that. I mean, like, I love it when movies just do this to your life and you feel represented way back when we talked about night of the living dead. That's exactly how I felt. Like I, I didn't feel represented in that movie, but I felt like there was an actual horror movie that talked about what it meant to be different and meant to be other. Right. And that's why I grasped onto that movie and still do today. And so when you have movies like the craft, not a living dead, people may love it. They may hate it. But if you find something really deep in there, something that speaks to your fucking soul, right. In a way that only horror can do, it just makes a, a magical kind of moment. Yeah. So I'm glad that you had this experience and we will take your advice and never, Ever, 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 ever watch the sequel. From our Patreon poll for High School Horror, uh, G. William NYC over on Patreon said, Okay, so as amazing as Jennifer's body was and is for the people just coming around to it, I feel like so many podcasts have covered it. Yes, of course, you two would bring your awesome viewpoints, but still. I feel the same goes for Prom Night. The babysitter is super fun and definitely worth discussion. And the covenant for being gay as fuck and queer baiting. Yes. <laughs> I still need to see that. But Ma is just pure batshit chaos and deserves the film flamers touch. They all do, really. I can't wait to talk about these. And we're going to, re you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. You know, because every, th every year I think we want to do some sort of high school horror and continue that thread. And so, like, if you noticed, all of those from our Patreon poll, I believe, were like others from our top 10. Yep. You know, one of those we had talked about. And so we're going to start watching those and covering those like in, in either a new poll or we're going to start deep diving, you know, more of those because we do need to talk about all these. I have lots to say about the babysitter. I certainly have lots to say about the covenant and I definitely have lots to say about Ma. And I have not seen the covenant or Ma. And so like, obviously prom night, prom night's good. I mean, it's classic, but um, people do cover it, you know? And I feel like Jennifer's body. Yeah. People are starting to come around to it because it got so much hate when it came out. Right. But people in the horror community are like, OK, it's a it's a good horror movie. But 
when he had this comment, and it's no secret that we also vote in our polls because, I mean, we're on there, right? I had voted for one specific thing. And then I read his comment and I was just like, okay, I'm voting for Ma. Yeah. Right? And then someone came on there and they were like, but the covenant, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, I'm voting for the covenant. So I changed my vote so many fucking times, George. You have no idea. Yeah. And that's my mistake too, because usually I set up the polls to let people vote for multiple things. Right. And unfortunately I made that mistake and the email had already gone out and I didn't want to like delete it and redo it and like bother everyone with like multiple emails. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, my mistake. I'm going to try and Patreon keeps updating the way they do their UI, you know, like, so it's like different every time it is. And so whatever, it's not completely my fault. God damn it. Either way, George, you have totally sold the covenant and ma on me. And I kind of want to watch ma like really, really bad. Cause if you, if you think it deserves our touch, well then we're going to touch it. Matthew McHenry from Patreon said, swim fan is a rare example, but as a former competitive swimmer, representation, read guys in Speedos, matters. <laughs> I was also in the swim team. Were you in Speedo? But I never saw swim fan. Oh, it's, it's I heard something. it was like, I heard it was, I didn't hear it was bad. I just heard it was like, mm. it's, I mean, it's okay. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. Was that on our list? No, someone submitted it. Like someone asked, like asked about it. Like that was one of the ones that they remember for high school horror. Maybe we'll add it to the list next time, Matthew. Yeah. I think Matthew brought it up because I think he said something else. I think he said swim something. And I was like, I heard a swim fan. And I think then. Oh yeah. 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 I remember. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie. That, that guy is cute. He was in, um, he was in a couple things way back, like in the early 2000s. He was like, bring it on. Like he was a cute boy. Okay. I don't know. And I forgot who the lead female is in that movie. It's not Lily Sobieski, is it? No. Yes, that makes me want to die. Why? Because I hate her. Why? Because, I don't know, because she's like the poor man. shouldn't throw stones in glass houses. Because she played Joan of Arc. I don't fucking know. She was also in a movie called Glass House. She she is in Glass House. (laughs) (laughs) What a trash movie. Laugh at my joke, goddammit. I'm sorry, I did eventually. Okay. So George on Patreon, in regards to me not having seen Ma, said, well, get on it, mister. Plus, you get to see Luke Evans. Luke Evans is dick, albeit fake. Really? Yeah. Luke Evans is fake penises in I that movie? I have a torture moment, so. Oh, is it, are they torturing the dick? Mm, I don't remember. Oh, my God. Okay. So many things. <laughs> I love dicks. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I'm going to watch Ma. Okay, I'm going to watch it. I might even watch it today. We'll just see. We'll just see how drunk I get. we got some questions. Do we have answers? We do. Let's find out. So Casey uh, sent us an email and said, Hi, guys. I just wanted to say I discovered your podcast on Spotify a few months ago, and I really enjoy it. Please keep doing what you're doing. It is refreshing to know that I'm not the only horrorholic out there. And this is a white single mom with a government job talking. Let's just say my job provides many opportunities to make cabin in the woods illusions, but not many folks at work get them. Same, wow. same Casey. <laughs> not the government part. Not the government part, but no I'm like it. intrigued. Oh my God. You're right. So it's a bureaucratic thing. Like in that movie, I get it now. 
I just listened to your top 10 horror stories episode, and I must have looked like a crazy person walking along with my headphones and just saying yes out loud randomly <laughs> when I agreed with something you said. I am so glad you gave House of Leaves and Poe's Haunted Album some props, and I've read almost everything by Stephen King. The Long Walk is also, in my opinion, one of my favorites as well, and an almost perfect story. But I think The Raft in Creepshow 2 is also an almost perfect story, so to each their own, I guess. <laughs> no, it's really good. Okay. I will say... I will say, if you haven't read the Dark Tower series yet, you should. Also, I would recommend the short story The Willows by Algernon Blackwood. It's maybe 10 pages long, if that, and pretty creepy. I'm a big fan of the horror anthology film Southbound. Yes. And the collective that worked on that film. I would love it if you guys reviewed an earlier film of theirs, VHS. Okay. Or just anthologies or found footage films footage films in general. I know that found footage feels a little tired these days, but I was really impressed with low-budget special effects work in VHS. And also how the writers managed to find a good way to incorporate a video camera into several different stories. Anyway, just wanted to say, keep up the good work. And I, I replied and said that we, we definitely have covered anthologies before, usually around Halloween. Like uh, Trick or Treat, which is kind of a loose anthology, very connected uh-huh. anthology, right? And then Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, Cat's Eye, Creep Show. So we'll probably cover VHS in the nearish future because we like to do anthologies around Halloween. That's right. And Casey, you should know, and I think I've said this in the podcast a couple times, I have like three favorite subgenres of horror, and they are holiday horror, zombies, and anthologies. I love anthology horror so, 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 so much. So, Yeah. Well, we, we will do more. To her defense, she only found us on Spotify a few months ago. That's so true. So she hasn't had the chance to really a, go into our, our catalog. You have a lot to look forward to, hopefully. Mm, yeah. Um, okay. So Stephen King is probably my my favorite author. I love his work so much. Long Walk is amazing. I've only read the first Dark Tower book. And it took me a minute to get through it, even though it's like the smallest of the entire series, right? So it is kind of on my bucket list to finish that series because it is like a gaping hole in my Stephen King experience. So your glazed donut? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Southbound is an amazing movie, and I also love VHS. So, yeah, I, I feel like both of those movies are probably you'll find some time in, in our podcast. Yeah, we'll they're going to bubble up. Yeah. But keep listening and let us know what you think about our other episodes. Nikki finally emailed us. Although she does almost every month and said, I noticed that y'all have been saying adaption and not adaptation. Can you explain the difference? My brother, who is a professor of film, tried to explain it, but I'm still confused. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think we use them interchangeably, actually. Yeah, I usually say just adaption. And I think during our episode about Stephen King adaptions, I kept saying adaptation. So I don't know. I, I guess it depends on how you use it. Hey, uh, Film Prof Bear, can you explain to us too, please? Yeah. You know how to reach us. Could you speak up for the whole class? Please. <laughs> <laughs> Teach us. <laughs> Sorry for that anticlimactic answer, Nikki. We still don't have any voicemails. Is it? Are we not like enunciating? We the were getting like one or two a month, and like for some reason, all of a sudden, we're getting like a dearth. I even had you check it last month. That's right. It's, it was still, it's still working. working. I mean, I left a message. You're not going to play it right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! It is it. Hi, it's me. Bye. I'm not going to play that. <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Um, 
<laughs> I'm the caller. It's me. Uh, yeah, I don't. What's what's the deal, guys? Are y'all shy? And I'm inside your house. <laughs> <laughs> we like voicemails. Hey, Kimberly, send us a voicemail. Yeah. We have three new patrons, though. Yeah. Although our record is five from February. Well, three is pretty good. It is. It's very fucking good. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take it. Right. So our new ones are Incognicat. Annalise. And Stephanie. And as always, we need to shout out our patrons who are at the Film Flamer tier or higher. And they are Ashley. Ben. Glaze Donut. Kimberly. Lisa. Penelope. And Wallstretch. But especially Glaze Donut. <laughs> Because we loved that fucking comment and your name. That's right. <laughs> Horror news. So we got a couple of news items. And the first one we're going to talk about is Welcome to Dairy. The Pennywise prequel series has officially been ordered to HBO Max. Right. And Andy Muschietti and uh, Barbara Muschietti from It and It Chapter 2, the directors, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason Fuchs. Bukes are on board, uh, the Pennywise prequel project. And uh, it's also noted that Andy Muschietti will direct multiple episodes of the series, including the first episode. No word from from this article, at least, that Bill Skarsgård would be rejoining as Pennywise, but I can assume he would. I would hope so. I mean, so they have been talking about this like prequel series for quite some time now, for months and months and months. And um, I'm glad that it's officially been picked up because I feel like there's a lot of story to mine there. And Andy Muschietti like really fucking killed those movies. They were so good. I mean, uh, the second one. Rewatch it. It's better than the first watch. I started to and then turned it off again, but I was really tired. So I, I need to just watch it again. Yeah, I didn't like it as much as my first watch. The second watch, I liked it better. Okay, I, that's that's good. But the first it, it Chapter 1, to me, is like a perfect fucking movie, right? And I, I can't wait to talk about these two. Hey, maybe for our next Stephen King month, we'll do those too, right? Yeah. Those are blockbusters. Um but yeah, I really am excited about this show because I feel like there's a lot to talk about. So the show is going to include the origin of Pennywise the Clown, uh, presumably in like some sort of flashback. But there's also going to try and cover the events between the 60s and present day. Although if they're if they're trying to follow the movies, then I would assume the 80s and the present day. Yeah. Well, and th- there's a lot. There's there's still a lot from the novel that talks about like some things that happened in Derry in the past. Yeah, that they kind of alluded to in the movies. And so, I, again, I feel like there's just a lot. There's a lot to mine in that novel. Anyway, it's very dense. I would love it if it was an anthology and it went and it started with the origin and then it like skipped around time going forwards. Oh my god! And it was just yes. different characters and different. You know, I would love that. Oh, I I just cannot wait. I cannot wait. I love it so much. And I am just looking forward to the series. So bring it. And plus HBO will probably throw some fucking money at it. And it's going to look great. Oh, yeah. Next up, we've got Medusa. So Amazon is making an action adventure feature film about the legendary, you know, uh, Greek mythology character of, of Medusa. Right. With the snake hair. Nice. Right. Or the head of snakes, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right. And who stares at anyone and they turn to stone or they look her in the eyes and they turn to stone. So uh, hopefully this is like a period piece and it's like, you know, live action fantasy, but there's going to be real horror elements in it uh, based on what I'm, what I'm reading about it. And there's talent behind the scenes from the MCU Watchmen, which has been, you know, highly, highly critically. Watchmen, the TV series. Yes. Okay. Uh, Ready or not uh, as well. uh, I think some writers will be heading the series creatively. So um, 
that could be promising and interesting. There is a lot of talent, and I feel like that's a really underused character from mythology. At least, like always in a horror. bit side thing. Yeah, yeah. Never, never the the main enemy or the main character. I mean, it feels like Medusa should have been a character that has been like in horror movies just abound, right? It's a tragic character too. Yes. I mean, like completely underused. Like this isn't amazing. I mean, like this is good. This is good news. Like make, make a show about Medusa. I'd probably watch it. I mean, oh wait, it's a feature film. That's Um, fine too. Yeah, I guess it could be, it could be interesting. I don't know. But for everything good that Amazon does, they do something horrible. (laughs) Okay. And so, yeah. So this next item is Poltergeist. Amazon is reportedly looking into reviving the franchise. No, wait, which Poltergeist? The movie or that stupid TV series? Well, of course, the movie. Uh, oh, stop so, it! Well, I don't know. They're if they're going to plan to do some sort of series, or they're planning to do a movie series. Okay, right? They're looking into franchises because this comes from Amazon's acquisition of MGM, mm. right? So other franchises that they're also trying to like bring a bunch of showrunner potential showrunners into a room and and different people from the business side to discuss, you know, all the franchises that MGM owned, like Stargate, right? Okay. And so there's a lot of news around all of these franchises that MGM owned, you know, that they could probably run with. I mean, I did go see the Poltergeist remake in the theater, right? And I was excited for it, you know, because I, I I love that franchise, but I was kind of a little burned by it. I mean, it's it's not Same. it's not horrible. It's not great. It's just there, right? And uh, if they're going to do this, they have got to like like try to hold on to some of the magic that is that movie but you cannot do that two times i'm sorry sometimes you just have to let things go yeah just let it go or make your own version of it like james wan did with two different franchises what insidious was a direct homage to poltergeist it's true right and then you could say that his series with you know the conjuring series yeah. Is very inspired because he has widely and publicly said that his favorite film of all time is Poltergeist. Well, then let him come do this. Let him come make a Poltergeist thing. He already has. And that's as close as we're going to get. And I, I like that. I We still have and will always have Poltergeist. Don't try and remake it. Just do your own version. Yeah. All right. We'll see. All right. Come on, Amazon. Show us what you got, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> I will, too. I'll also watch Welcome to Dairy. And then, if we have time, we'll watch this Poltergeist. Okay. <laughs> Coming soon. So we have some trailers to talk about and um, hit or miss. But let's get started with Swarm that is coming on March 17th to Amazon Prime Video. So we'll see what Amazon brings us with this one. But... I kind of like this trailer. Yeah, this is from Janine Neighbors and Donald Glover, I guess, yeah. in a producing capacity, starring Dominique Fishback, who widely is seen as someone that is under the radar, but should be over the radar, right? Should be. I mean, for this alone. Yeah. And judging by the trailer, she's doing a damn good job. And this looks like a much more of like a thriller horror, you know? Mm-hmm. And it has to do with obsession yep. of, you know, like a Beyonce type of character. Right. Yeah. And so like this person is like obsessed with this Beyonce type character. 
you know, and they're killing other non-fans or non-serious fans or people that are getting in the way of her seeing this person in person. And that's right. It's kind of like a swim fan type of situation. I don't know. You know, like I'm your number one fan. It's like misery, but reverse. I don't know. Yeah. Cause she's asking like, who's your favorite artist or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's obviously Beyonce cause there's so much like beehive stuff You're a going killer on. Bee. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, come on now. But it looks really, really good. Like she looks like she is playing like crazy or like women on the verge of a nervous breakdown kind of thing really, really well. And it looks like the horror could be subtle, but at times also very gory. And there's some like comedy in here too. So it's got a little bit of everything. It's also black horror. And I like that because it seems like they're incidentally black versus like a black story. Like both are important, but I think that it's important to have both. Yes. And also Donald Glover. I mean, like, come on. Like, he makes good things. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to this. I really, really want to watch this. In fact, like, I had seen some mention of it on social media. I hadn't seen the trailer until today. But I am fucking on board. So let's do it. Yeah. Next up, we've got Malum. 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 In theaters, March 31st. And this is a reimagining of the quote-unquote cult horror hit last shift from 2014 that i've never seen or heard of yep never heard of it yeah so they actually reached out to us to see if we wanted to see a screener and do interviews and this apparently this trailer is is has legs you know and is all over social media right now apparently it is it is like i have seen so many posts about social media so many posts on social media about this movie mostly from like news outlets you know but um they it were seem it seems kind of run of the mill I it mean, does it seems good budget you know good production value but it just doesn't seem it seems like kind of like boogeyman that's coming out it seems like a lot of these trailers that are coming out you know well i mean this just it seems like i've seen this before and i yes. guess it's a reimagining so maybe i have seen it before and forgot about it but it doesn't seem like there's anything new in this whatsoever Seemed to vary by the numbers. And I was just like, forgettable. Oh. Cause I already forgot what, what the fuck is in this trailer. I mean, there were some creepy moments. There was that, that female police officer, like obviously on the last shift. Okay. And, yeah. 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 It's like in a mental facility and there's and like a there cult. Was, yeah. Cult. Yeah. yeah. There were creepy moments in this trailer. It looks like it could be visually frightening, but I mean like the rest of it, I think like we were watching this at the very end, it was like only in theaters. And I was like, this is going to make no money. Like no one's going to go see this movie. Maybe. I mean, horror fans, but like it doesn't seem like it has enough mainstream appeal to make it worthy of some big theatrical release, but maybe we're wrong. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it could be amazing. Mm. I doubt it though. I'm not like itching to watch it just like I'm not itching to watch the next movie we're going to talk about. And that is the Pope's exorcist starring one Russell Crowe. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of nondescript, <laughs> I, it's intriguing. It's obviously has a good, you know, a good production value, but I mean, it looks like every exorcism movie ever, ever. I mean, it's like they took everything and they're like, here, we can put some exorcist here. We can put some Emily Rose here. And I was just like, okay, like if the you're last gonna- right, like all that stuff, yes. yeah, it's all in there and it's just, it doesn't look unique and maybe it's going to be another black phone. I don't know. I mean, it, possibly, but I, mean, I doubt we, it. We just said we have to stop like poo-pooing these things. But I'm like, again, if you're going to make a movie, how many fucking movies about exorcism have we seen? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not as many as like vampires or like zombies. Right. Maybe there but, should be an exorcism movie without a fucking Catholic priest around. I don't fucking know. Well, I, well, you can't. That's what an exorcism is. This is a Catholic right. But you have to have one, I guess. But, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, it's a, it's a child being exorcised. Right exorcised 
and because the other one is different. Um, yeah. And it it looks like the fucking exorcist. Just a cat on a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> Just someone dangling a carrot. Stop running. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Richard Simmons compels you. Call the priest. <laughs> I mean, but like the kid looks like the exorcist and Russell Crowe is walking around looking fat in his like, you know, preacher outfit with a fucking fedora on, you know, that doesn't bother me as much as it does you, obviously. I just, I, cause I used to think that Russell Crowe was really hot and he's still hot. Now I'm just being really shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, pick better movies, Russell Crowe. You were just in a Don't very fat shame him. I have to. He's not hot because he's old. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're losing all of our listeners right now. All these Russell Crowe fans. <laughs> he was just in a really good horror movie. Speaking of old, Franco Nero is in this movie. Who is he playing in this? He's playing the Pope. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because Russell Crowe was kissing on his Are hand. you even gay enough to know who Franco Nero is? I am not. I don't know who that is. He played Lancelot in uh, Camelot, the movie. Oh, no. You fag. <laughs> <laughs> if ever I should leave you, right now. <laughs> if ever I should leave you. I'm gay enough to know that fucking song, so take that. It wouldn't be in summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. my god well that's enough of what that do the simple folk do okay sorry <laughs> this is what happens when we drink y'all <laughs> we sing show tunes <laughs> we are certainly gay enough well speaking of gay enough we're definitely gay enough to like the blackening oh my god bring it to me right now this is the trailer that i want to see the most yes right. i I've got to see this movie. So this is directed by Tim Story, who did Ride Along, uh, Think Like a Man, Barbershop. All good movies. Yeah. And so and this is another black horror story, right? And so it's this is much more about being black, obviously. Yes. The, the whole game is racist and, you know, um, and they're all hanging a lantern on it. And it's it looks hilarious and fun, you know, and, and just really good. It looks well like written. it takes every single trope that it's black like, people have to experience in it's like black screens. Yes. It, it's like black scary movie. You know what I mean? Like every single trope that black people have to experience while watching horror, like being the first one to die or whatever. And um, just like really turning it onto its head in this meta, hilariously comic way. Yeah. And They're like, don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah. We have to split, we have up. To split up. It's so, <laughs> it looks so funny and so amazingly like smart. And I think like, this is exactly what horror needs like this is this is the direction that horror should be going not things like the pope's exorcist right or malum it's movies like swarm and the blackening right and every other queer like horror movie that we've talked about we need to start talking about marginalized people and horror and just like giving representation because this is what we like to watch right and they smartly you know because you know i feel like african-americans are always talking about how they would just fucking nope out of the situation that's right right? in general and so they they wrote that into it like they they really can't nope out of the situation you know and so they wrote that in and it's in the trailer and it's great i mean i cannot wait to see this movie i feel like i'm going to love it i feel like toward the end of the year this is going to be like probably way way high 
And maybe I should lower my expectations a little bit just in case. But out of everything that we've talked about so far this year, like upcoming horror movies, I feel like I'm most excited about this movie. Right. And least excited about this next one. (laughs) Haunted Mansion. God, it makes me want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Tell us how you really feel. We already we've already seen this movie. They made a subpar film about then, like, a there ride was, like, at a disney series about it too or something too well we watched that muppet one that, oh the muppets haunted mansion that's right. which was better than the eddie murphy one i never saw it lucky okay <laughs> well God. this is in theaters on july 28th okay <laughs> no and it's, it also seems like this is the movie where like actors go to die right so we have what oh. like danny devito in it oh. rosario dawson's oh. in this owen wilson's in this i mean like what have they been doing lately and then disney swooped them up to make another haunted mansion movie dan levy is also in it and jamie lee curtis although she wasn't in the trailer no Lovely. she was that woman standing with that robe oh, and the fuck. big hat okay jared leto is also in it as the hat box and his career really did fucking die so he won an oscar not too long ago why are y'all making this movie what is disney paying you we could do a whole podcast episode on people's careers ended after they're getting their first oscar maybe that should be a top 10 right list (laughs) top 10 career ending oscars yes marissa tomei (laughs) she's in the mcu now wait no she they killed her off (laughs) i don't know i mean like I think that we should stop making movies about rides at Disney World and we should stop making movies about board games. Clue was fabulous, but stop it. There's a movie coming out called Tetris. Excuse me. The Blackening is about a board game. A fake board game. Yes. Okay, you mean, okay. Yeah, I mean like Battleship or whatever the fuck that movie was with Rihanna. Why Why would they make that? I don't. Like they're literally, I have no idea what it's about, but there's a movie coming out called Tetris. And if it's about the fucking game where you put blocks in places. No, it's not. Okay, good. uh, From the pic, I've never seen a trailer for it, but from the picture, it looks like it's about the creation of Tetris, which was made as kind of, as I recall, kind of like a a strategy or war game to train computers and people in Russia. Okay, I'll watch And then someone like took that and like brought it and they they, like gamified it. Okay. So Tetris was original. Yeah. So it's going to be like, one of those like i would watch that imitation movie. game or something like that i would watch that movie but yeah. i mean like i have gonna be like a political thriller documentary type of thing oh i love that shit okay but i've been burned by movies like fucking battleship which was stupid i, I sat and watched that whole fucking i movie. was smart enough not to go see that well, i didn't see it in the theater and but it's I sci-fi it. action and i would have. yeah it's dumb and i still didn't see it because it looked stupid and so does the haunted mansion yeah just don't I'm glad that we always end on like the shittiest movies in these lists of trailers. So we don't do it on purpose. It's just the order of release. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, guys, that about wraps up this month's shooting the flames. As always, we love your comments, questions, emails, and voicemails. You can leave us all these comments on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call us at 972-666-7733. Come swarm my malum. Get into my hot mansion. Wait, haunted mansion. (laughs) Your hot mansion. Serving glazed donuts. (laughs) You can never leave us glazed donut. (laughs) But what you should do instead of leaving us is leave us a review. 
That's right. We had three new ones and we like those. Head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave us a five-star review and why you like us. And we're going to read that on the next Shooting the Flame. Right. We're only like a couple dozen away from getting our 100 review mark. I think we're at like 77 reviews or something. We're almost there. So close. We can taste it. Yeah. And if you can't get enough of the Film Flamers content, and we know that you can't, head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers to get all of our bonus content early access to episodes vote in the polls and join the family that's right and uh this month we're going to be covering 28 days later and 28 weeks later to continue our march tradition of zombies marching Mm -hmm. zombies and on patreon i don't know we'll have to see what's going on over there i have to check and uh we swear February's bonus episode is coming out probably at the same time this one is. Yeah, due to a, a family snafu. Yeah, some emergencies going on. Maybe That's some right. moving, maybe some deaths. Some things, some things happening. But yes, Jennifer's body is coming probably around the same time. And we still have another bonus episode in March. So just look at it as a twofer. Yeah. Maybe a poll. Who knows? But like Chris said, somber zombies. We're about to do it. Get your tissues ready, guys. This is going to be a, a cry fest. Is it? I cried in 28 days later. Mm. A couple times. You get to see Kelly and Murphy's peen. Okay. I like peen. Well, Robert, I need to refill my drink. That's right. Let's go off and do that. And then we'll have some sweet dreams. I probably won't have any sweet dreams until 28 days later, but... Mm. Well, that was stupid. All right, let's go drink.